I had a, a spirit of anger and murder follow me out of the hospital room this week. Yeah. Not surprising, yeah. Um, and so it literally followed me out of the hospital room. I went to go pay a visit. I went to go, you know, see someone. And I saw the spirit in the room, of course, on a certain individual. But, but I walked out when we were done, and we left, and it literally followed me out. And I could feel it everywhere, and I can sense it. And, uh, and I knew that the spirit of murder and the spirit of, of anger, it was intense anger. And you know anger is like murder. It can be. If you have that kind of anger, the Bible tells you that it is like murder. It can be like murder. So the spirit of anger and the spirit of murder was like, um, that was so prevalent. Um, you know, you know I, obviously I took authority. I cast it out. I knew that it was, it was meant for the individual that I was just visiting, right? I knew it wasn't necessarily for me, but I'm aware of it. I saw it. I sensed it. And so I took authority and I commanded that spirit to go. The next day, I get a phone call that the woman died again. Some of you that were here last week remember that the Lord worked through me to raise her from the dead. This time, when she died again, she died for more than five minutes. They, uh, her daughter was outside of the room downstairs somewhere, and uh, they called her, and they said, in emergency, you need to get up here. By the time she got up there, they said she's already been dead. One said 10 minutes. One said, no, it's maybe closer to five. Somewhere between five and 10 minutes, she's been dead for that long. And they've been doing CPR the whole time, trying to revive her from the dead. I get the phone call last night, and she tells me again, my mom just coded blue. They've lost her heartbeat. It's been almost 10 minutes. She's not returning. And so again, I start taking authority, and I command that spirit of death to leave. Remember, I already addressed the spirit of death and murder and anger the day before in the hospital room. And so I commanded that spirit of death to leave, and immediately she starts to breathe again after almost 10 minutes of not breathing. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Father. But, you know, you, you ask yourself, okay, Lord, what are you doing? What's going on here? Uh, there's a reason why you keep reviving her. I mean, to revive her from the dead, we know what the word says, and I'll give it to you again, Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. It's Matthew 10, 8. We know the word. We are called to do that. But in a time like this, we also have to ask, Lord, what are you doing? Because she is definitely, um, she needs a miracle. There are a lot of things that I could describe her condition, you know, like medically. I, I don't want to. But I'm just telling you, she needs a big, huge miracle. And she kind of needs it now. So there are reasons. Sometimes we have unfinished business. And sometimes it's not the un our unfinished business, but it's someone else's. And I can tell you, I was in that hospital room, and I know enough of their story now to know there's unfinished business. Not necessarily with her, I don't know, only God knows, but for sure with her sons. There's some unfinished business, and it's pretty wicked. And from what I was told, it's such hatred, such animosity for years that, you know, the sons have been estranged. One completely. They can't even, he doesn't even know about that even his mom's in the hospital. Doesn't even know because for 20 plus years he's been gone, like just ran away and that's it. 
And then the other one, also very, very many years gone, but he came and he, and, and I saw him in the hospital. And if, if looks could kill, I mean, the anger, the, the just murder, just a lot of unresolved business, unfinished business. And so, you know, there, there's reconciliation that needs to happen. And I believe that God is allowing her to live, you know, for however long it is. But, I mean, to cause this individual to wake up and to, and to literally realize once we're gone, we're gone, right, as individuals. Now is the time of reconciling. Now is the time of forgiving. Now is the time of, of just having short accounts, not to have these things in our lives to where you don't know. You know, our lives are like a vapor, the Bible says, right? And so we don't know. We believe for a long, long life, but what is long? And I've told you this before because Jesus lived a long life, but he fulfilled his mission. He died at 33. Most of you wouldn't say that's long. We wouldn't say that's long, but he fulfilled his mission. So that was his, that was the, the allotted numbers of days that God gave him. But now this woman is like in her 70s, in our minds. Hey, she's, she is uh, not old. She's not old enough to die, but that's our thinking, right? And so it's our assignment when our assignment is up. As I've taught you before, when is the assignment up? Well, I believe that there is definitely this one last, at least, at least this assignment, you know, that needs to be finished, needs to be fulfilled. And so I shifted my prayers to start praying for the sons. Well, the one for sure that's present and the one that can't even be found if they would try. So... So, but God knows. God knows exactly. Now, it, can he still raise her from the sickbed? Absolutely. Are we still praying that way? Absolutely. But obviously, we want her to have a good quality of life too, right? So we also want that. So she did tell me last night after she, after the mom was raised again from the dead, she said, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. This will be the last time. She said, I'm going to change the papers because as of at this point, the papers say that if she goes into that type of, a, if she dies, to do everything you can to bring her back. So she said on the phone to me after she came back, I mean, she's gone through so much. And she said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm changing the papers. If she dies, I'm going to let her die. And so, you know, what do you say? You know, you respect the individual. You respect their decision. It, this is their decision. It's, you know, I'm not going to fault her for saying that. My goodness, it's very hard to watch you know, her mom in the way she is in right now. And so, but the need to reconcile, that's what we're praying for. Times like this, we have to say, Lord, what are you doing? Because it's nothing for God to raise the dead. In the past two, just shortly under two weeks, God has used me to raise the dead twice. And one of the times, she, more almost 10 minutes dead. That's, you know, you can have brain damage. You can be brain dead if you're, if you're for some, anyways, 10 minutes. That's a long time. No oxygen to the brain. It's a huge miracle. The family recognizes that as a miracle. At least they do the first one because I heard feedback, you know, that the family realizes it's a miracle. But the family that needs to realize it's a miracle and this miracle is pointed to them or to him is the actual son, right? So the walls have to come down to this individual, right? Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. And I love this scripture. Teach us to number our days... That's all of us here and now, today. 
Teach us to number our days that we would have a heart of wisdom. And so that we would have that heart of understanding, that heart of wisdom, the wisdom that God gives. To know you can walk into a situation and you would know what to do. God has given you this wisdom that comes from above, right? So we must be ready. And, and I say this to tie this into this verse in Psalm 90 verse 12 because it tells us to teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we would have a heart of wisdom. So God has people that he wants you to minister to. Teach me to number my days, that I would be right where you've called me to be so that I can actually move in the spirit of wisdom and give out what that, that you have for this individual. So they're called divine assignments, right? Divine assignments. Let's look to the next scripture, and it's in Psalm 90 and verse 17. It says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us and establish the work of our hands. So we have work to do. We all have work to do, and we ask God to establish the work of our hands, that his favor would rest upon us. And we know that when we ask for something that the Lord has written in his word, it's ours. It's ours for the taking. He's that we would walk in the favor of the Lord and that he would establish the work of our hands. Amen. Yes. So in getting back to my first story regarding the, um, the spirit of, of murder that followed me out of the room, that was just a very eerie very strange, I could not deny, just as much as I couldn't deny seeing her spirit leave her body the first time, and I couldn't deny seeing her spirit rise up, and I'm looking at her, commanding her to get back in her body, and she was reluctant at first, just as much I couldn't deny that. I couldn't deny the spirit of murder, and it was following me, but I knew it was following me because that enemy knows, my God, I got to get this woman out of the way. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to teach you how things are in the spirit realm. You become targets. But we're covered in the blood of Jesus. And so the only thing that they are going to receive is the Holy Ghost and the anointing that breaks the yokes. Right? And so you just, you walk away, you take authority, and you know that you know that you know that that devil is under your feet because we are on an assignment. All of us are. These are just practical examples that just happened to happen this week, right? That's why I'm sharing them because sometimes when you give an example, it helps people kind of put things together. We have the authority to bind, and we have the authority to loosen. We have the authority to command in the name of Jesus. And so we know that. We know that. We have to realize we're militant. we got to be militant for the assignments that God has given us. You have to know the authority that you carry. He doesn't, you know, like, when I, had, when I went into the restroom to go wash my hands, and that's when I felt it. That's when I, that's when I felt that spirit very, very strongly. And when I came back out and I told my husband about what just happened and, and what is left the room literally following, he didn't really have any words for it, you know? He's like, okay, because he doesn't hear or see in that way. You know, we are all wired differently, but I do believe God wants us to hear and see in that way. But the only thing that's going to follow me is goodness and mercy. So we have to be wise. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to be wise. Like, why are you following me? Like, what is, what is your assignment? I go to sleep. The next day, he tries to touch her. He tries to kill her. I get the phone call. 
And I say, no, you don't. Get up. Rise up again. So there is a reason for why she was allowed to be raised again from the dead. And I believe this reason is for her son to be reconciled with her. So that's why we're praying for the son. But, you know, how about you? Like, are there people that God is saying, listen, let it go. Let the offense go. Let the heartache go. Let the pain go. Let the unforgiveness go. Because you know what? It's life is too short. It is literally too short. You know, when I think about what God has done here is this, in this church, a family. We are a family. Well, families sometimes can rub one another wrong, right? Natural families, but so can church families, right? But we get to forgive one another. We get to extend grace towards one another because we, God has called you, if you're here, God has called you to be a part of this family. And so he says, I want you to work out those things so that they are not literally a stumbling block in your lives, right? So James 4 and 14, it says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. So putting things in perspective, right? Because you all know, and I, I think you all know, I believe for a long, healthy life, okay? And I, yes, I am asking, and I'm believing for 100, but, but long and healthy, right? But at the same time, we know that our life is still yet but a vapor. Because when you consider it in the light of eternity, right, it's like, wow, it's like but a vapor. Like you, you know, some of you that are a little bit older, and it's like you look back and you go, my goodness, how fast did that time go, right? It's like but a vapor, right? And so, and so that's how our lives can be, but we enjoy every day. And that's why I believe we are so to enjoy every day, but we can't really enjoy every day if we have animosity towards someone that God says we're to live in peace. Bible says to live at peace as much as it lies within you, to live at peace with one another, as much as it remains and lies within you, as much as you possible, on your end of the street, do what you need to do, right, so that you are in peace. You can't control somebody else, but for you yourself, make sure your heart is at peace, right, with them. And so, um, and Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, there are all written the days fashioned for me as yet when there were none of them. So here we see in Psalm 139 and in 16, every single day that God has assigned for us to live, we're already assigned to us before we were even formed. And he saw our substance. He saw our bodies, our substance, who we were going to be before we were even born. And every single day that they are numbered every single day. He already knows of them. And so, because, I, because of speaking about these stories and specifically raising the dead, raising the dead because the assignment wasn't over. Because you're not going to raise the dead if the assignment is over. You're not going to raise the dead if God says, no, I'm calling them home. But you may or may not know what God is doing, so you're going to still try. Right? You're going to still try. But you're not going to blame yourself when and if they don't, come back to life because maybe their assignment was just over. But that doesn't mean that you don't walk in faith and do what you're called to do. And if he does raise them back up, well, there's a reason for it. The enemy tried to steal their life, right? But God still is moving in their life, and it could be something that they need to do, unfinished business that's still unfinished, or somebody else that's tied to them and is in the case of what I believe anyway for this 
situation. Matthew 25, 23. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I believe that, you know, that's what we are going to hear. We're going to hear this. We're going to hear this word. Why? Because we love him, and we've committed our lives to literally living completely for him. No matter what, keeping short accounts, it's important, church. Saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, it is important, church. Humbling yourselves before one another and, of course, before God. It is important, church. This is how we walk, humbly submitted to him, pure, right? Having clean hands, pure heart, and then seeing the miraculous things come about. And they will. So in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 25, there was a man, and it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was, was a just and a devout man, and he, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death. He had a revelation. He had a revelation that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. So he came by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord led him, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him, meaning Jesus, up in his arms, and he blessed God. He had a revelation, and he, had the also, he also had the, the word of knowledge to know that which was revealed to you is this. Living in the Spirit? Life in the Spirit, yes. He says, now, Lord... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love this because here he heard the word. He knew, and many of you know too, right? God has told me, he's given me a revelation to do this. He's given me an unction in my, in my spirit, my heart to do this very thing. I'm, I'm called to do this very thing. He's given you a revelation. He's given you purpose. He's given you instruction. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but you have an assignment, right? And so he had an assignment. He knew it. He knew that he wasn't going to die until he saw the Christ Jesus, the baby. And then he also knew by word of knowledge, this is that. This is he. This is the child that that was prophesied, that God spoke to him. And he knew this was the child. And when he held him up, he said, behold, I have seen. I've seen the glory of the Lord. He said, I can now, basically, he said, I can now die in peace. There's a fulfillment that comes when you do the will of God. Every day, walk it. Every day, live it. Every day, be intentional. Every day, fulfill that day's calling. Every single day. Giving glory to God. So that, that, was, that was Simeon, right? But Jesus too. Jesus said, this is uh, John 17 and 4. This is when he prays for himself, this chapter. And I'm going to start in verse, in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. That your son may also glorify you. That should be our prayer. Lord, we want to glorify you. you that you, you fill us up so that we reveal the glory of the Lord. We want to glorify you, Father God. And he says, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. 
And this is eternal life, that they may know you. That's eternal life, that we would know. What is, how do you know if they're saved? Do they really know Jesus? Do they walk with him? To know isn't just head knowledge. Do they really love him? Are they really sold out? Are they committed? And there's a growth that comes about with that, of course. But do they know him? So this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And look at verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. This is Jesus speaking. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself. He's saying, I'm done. I finished. I know I finished, and I know I finished well. Yes, you can know that you finished a job well. Yes, you can know that you have finished a task well, and you can certainly feel the pleasure of the Lord. Yes, you should be able to feel the pleasure of the Lord. God gives you an instruction. You carry it out. You should be able to feel the pleasure of the Lord when you do it according to his ways. Absolutely. And there's not, it's not a wrong thing. It's a good thing because God wants to delight himself in and through you. Now, of course, here we're talking at the very end of time where you're, 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 when your time is up, when the number of days is up. But we don't need to wait until that moment in time to know that we please God when we finish well. Every assignment that he gives you, finish it well. Everything that he gives you, Lord, I want to glorify you in what you have called me to do. I may not always understand what you've called me to do, and I may not always like it, but I want to be submissive. Like sometimes it's hard to do the thing you know you need to do, right? But you just, you die to self and you press in and you say, Lord, by the spirit, I will do this. I will raise myself up and say, let's do this in Jesus's name, right? So I've glorified you on earth. Verse four again. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus knew he finished the work. And so that's why he said, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Because it wasn't like Jesus just came into being when he was, when he was walking on this earth. Glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world even was. Because he is God. And he was with God. Jesus was with God because he is God. And he was with him in creation. And he was with him in, in eternity past because they're one. Glorify me with the same glory that I had with you before the world was. A powerful, powerful statement that he is making there. He is saying, listen, I know that my assignment is done. Now, Father, glorify me. I've glorified you. And together we glorify and, these, and those that have been called in my name, they will give us glory and we will pour our spirit out into them. You know, we all have that day, that time is coming and it's going to be beautiful. We should not be afraid of death. When you're saved, there is no fear. It's only like, wow, we get to dance on streets that are, you know, laced with gold and we, we get to, my goodness, join in the angels and in, in choir and singing just that heavenly chorus, right? It's going to be beautiful, but we're not done, you guys. We have a lot of work still yet ahead of us, a lot of work. I really just wanted to put this in perspective because we are called to raise the dead, but we're also called to know, Lord, what are you doing here? God doesn't just flippantly raise somebody from the dead. There's a reason, right? So the devil was trying to steal many times. That's what's happening. The devil's interjecting, trying to steal somebody's life because there's unfinished business. There was access. There was an access point, right? But, but, but God. 
So let, let's turn to uh, Matthew 5, because I, I want to make sure I, I do drive this point home. Matthew 5, yeah, 21. This is where it's murder begins in the heart. And it says, you have heard, but it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of a judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to, this, to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. As surely I say to you, by no, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. The tormentors are demons, church. In another account, it, it explains it even more. The tormentors are, 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 are demonic spirits. They plague you when there is grudges and offenses and anger. In this situation that I'm referring to, it's years of hatred. Years of hatred. And sometimes the only thing that's going to turn somebody around is the finality of death. And we pray that it comes before death for their sake. So... Who is it that maybe there's somebody that you have an offense with? You need to forgive. Let it go. Let it go. We will not have any unfinished business in our lives because we have the authority. We have the, the responsibility to take care of it, right? But not only that, how about the flip side? Is there someone that you know has an offense towards you and you in your prayer time need to let them go? Forgive them? Do you need to forgive an individual that maybe hasn't come, and maybe never will, they may never come to say, hey, please forgive me. We still need to forgive and let them go 70 times. So, and some of you are, you know, like, well, that they're, they're, they're abusive or they're paying, they're, they're, what they've done is doesn't deserve, like, I don't trust them. We're not talking about trust. We're not talking about reconciling. We're not talking about let's just restore the relationship the way it used to be because there may be reasons not to do that. It may not be wise. But we are still called to forgive. Do you know that when we forgive somebody, and regardless if they don't even ask for it, that you are giving them an opportunity to be released from the tormentors that keep them bound, and just maybe that was the key for them to wake up and realize the stupor they were under and the fact that they, they did not receive the truth of God's word because the devil had them bound because you had something you needed to do still. You had the key. Think of like children that have done wrong. They've just done wrong, and then they blame you for it. How about that scenario? You have the ability to forgive them in prayer and ask God to not hold it against them. And do you know that although they may be bound by demonic spirits, that by you forgiving them in your prayer time, you have literally turned a key into their lives where now at least some of those layers of rebellion has an opportunity to fall off. And they can see. And then they are in a position where they can make a decision. You see, I see people that are bound like this as prisoners. Yeah. 
And they're bound with a demonic rope. And they're the ones at fault. Yes. There's always two sides. And most times there's, you know, fault on both sides. But maybe you've taken care of your side. And maybe they're still holding you in judgment. That's what I'm trying to say here. So it's like a rope, right? A demonic rope. But you have the key. And this is what people, because they go by their emotions. Nope, because they did. And they keep on doing. And you keep on turning the heat up when you have the ability to open the lock. You have the ability, and it comes through your forgiveness of them. Even though they didn't deserve it, even though they didn't ask for it, even though that they're not coming around saying, even though they're still doing what they're doing, it is through forgiveness that the captives are set free. Do they have a part in this? Absolutely. But trust God for that. You do your part.